Hey everyone, welcome back to the Next Man Up podcast. This is your host, Jeremy, along with my other host, Jack. Okay, so to start out, we're going to talk a little bit about the MLB, give a standings update, you know, give a little bit more in-depth look at it. Um, So we're going to start with the American League, like we always do. Tampa Bay, they're number one in the whole American League. But they're also winning the East Division currently. Then you have in the West the Houston Astros. And then in the Central, the Chicago White Sox. And the wild card, you have the New York Yankees, who have struggled a bit as of late after going on a huge win streak um, post uh, trade deadline. But they're still holding up in that top wild card spot. And then you have the Boston Red Sox. Uh, rounding out the wild card. Um, teams still kind of in the mix. You have Seattle, Toronto, and Oakland. Uh, Seattle's three games back. Toronto is four games back. And Oakland is also four games back. Moving into the National League, you have the San Francisco Giants um, leading all teams in wins. Um, they're the currently the leader in the West. They're now only one game ahead of the Dodgers and they so they could end up losing that race um in the central you have Milwaukee it was run away with the division um they could uh with a strong finish to the season they could end up actually being the number one seed and then in the East, kind of coming out of nowhere, Atlanta is still holding strong. Um, then with the wild card, you have the Dodgers um, with the top spot, not even close to uh, falling out of that. I think they're basically guaranteed to make the playoffs, whether they win the division or they don't. Um, and as of now, the Padres are a half game up on the Cincinnati Reds. Um, that's going to be an interesting thing to watch um, towards the end of the season uh, to see yeah. who kind of comes out on top of that. Um, talking about that race a bit more, um, Cincinnati's, they got healthy uh, not too long ago, like I think a couple weeks or maybe a month ago. Time flies, by the way, if you haven't already noticed. Um, <laughs> they've got, you know, they've gotten healthy. Um, the Padres hadn't been healthy, but they've seen they're getting healthier. Um, and I just kind of want to point out that uh, Darvish has been kind of in and out of the uh, injured list a couple of times since, you know, uh, June. So he has not played to the best of his abilities, but he's a he's a pitcher I'm not too worried about. Um, he has really filthy stuff. Um, and so I think he'll get back into his groove. Um, Joe Musgrove has been absolutely unbelievable for the Padres. Um, he's been one of the more consistent pitchers for them. And I think he's actually been one of the better pitchers in the national league. Um, he's just not going to get talked about a lot when it comes to major league baseball, uh, media and kind of just in the grand scheme of everything, because obviously the Dodgers have absolutely filthy pitching with Scherzer Urias, oh man, you got Kershaw still, you got Walker Buehler, who's probably been the best pitcher in baseball, you've got the Milwaukee Brewers with Corbin Burns, um, he's been killing it as well, you know, it's like, there's a lot of great pitchers, you know, and so not everybody's going to get their shine, uh, Joe Musgrove's just been really consistently good, and then Blake Snell uh, had an absolutely insane month of August. He's looking like his Cy Young self, um, going really deep into games, uh, which is something he didn't necessarily have at the start of the season. Um, and now you've got Paddock coming back. Um, so that that race um, in the NL is really going to heat up because you kind of have the Padres coming and becoming kind of healthy, and then you have the Reds um, also becoming more healthy. Um, so we'll see what kind of happens with that. Also, kind of want to touch on Atlanta. Um, they've kind of struggled a bit as of late, um, 
but at the same time, their division isn't necessarily the best. Um, it's kind of it's it's probably the worst division in baseball, just from a standpoint of top teams. Um, so I think they could easily hold above the rest of the teams in their division. Um, I just think it's kind of interesting to see how they've actually done because I felt like they kind of needed to improve their pitching a little bit um, when it came to the trade deadline. And, you know, that I felt like that was kind of their biggest issue um, as well as just losing Ronald Acuna, who is arguably the best player in baseball. Um, I think Mike Trout probably is, but obviously Mike Trout hasn't really played this year. So I don't really consider him one of the, be- like the best players in baseball this year. I'm talking from a current standpoint. Um, so the fact that they're doing so well without one of like their star, you know, the best player on their team is kind of, if you're a Braves fan, you kind of got to be a little bit happy about that. Um, and I think they're probably going to hold steady. Milwaukee's just been consistently good. I don't see a lot of people talk about them. Um, they have really good pitching and they get a lot out of, you know, players that aren't really necessarily the flashiest players or really the best players they they them in tampa bay i don't know what it is but they just get a lot out of players um just more i feel like more than they're capable of um giants have probably been the biggest surprise though uh this season because people didn't really think they stacked up well against the dodgers or the padres um but you have guys like Brandon Crawford and Buster Posey just having complete breakout years that were just kind of crazy and insane. Um, nobody really expected it. Like Brandon Crawford is 34. Um, never really been that amazing of a player in general. Like he's not a bad player or ever been like a bad player. Um, but this year he's just having like a career year and it's just, it, it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, Boston was kind of struggling. Um, the thing is they, they were really, they're really missing Chris Sale or they were. Um, and so if he returns, uh, to top peak condition, you know, um, obviously he's returned, he pitched well. Um, if he can kind of keep that up, uh, then I think Boston's going to be in a good spot. Um, I feel like the American League, there's a lot less drama um, when it comes to it because I just think teams like Houston and the White Sox kind of just have their whole division on lockdown um, and are probably just going to be pretty good playoff teams. So that's kind of just my thoughts on the current MLB. So, Jack, you got anything else to add? Yeah, I mean, the Astros, obviously the cheaters, man. They, they've been struggling a bit. They lost the Mariners. The Mariners are on, what, a five-game win streak right now? The Mariners have been doing really good. Uh, still fighting for that wild card spot, obviously. And you know what? I mean, yeah, the Dodgers do have insane pitching, but the, the Giants have been very surprising this year. Um they have a ton of talent. Obviously, the they're one game ahead of the Dodgers right now, but the Giants and the Dodgers, man, they're neck and neck and uh, two really good teams that I'm excited to see in the playoffs. But you know what? I mean, the Astros, they're definitely the team to beat in the playoffs as well. But um, recently, they haven't been doing insanely good. Yeah, the Astros, they're my favorite in the American League. Um, I know Tampa Bay is currently the best team but the Astros just have so much talent on their team that I just struggle to see them losing a series um it's not that the Rays aren't good I just feel like if you're talking about in a series setting I think Houston has the edge um especially since I got uh Kendall Graveman Kendall Graveman has been insane this year and he's not like I thought maybe there was a chance that getting traded from Seattle to Houston, he might, you know, have a little bit of a not, I'm not going to say fall off, but maybe he would just not be quite as good. Um, but he's kind of kept up, uh, the pace on his season, which he, he's had a surprising season as well. He, over the course of his career has not been that great of a pitcher. 
Um, he doesn't possess like great stuff either, but this year, for whatever reason, he's just been very good. So like Houston, they're my favorite out of the NL. I mean the AL. Uh, just coming in close, uh, closing in on the postseason. Bro, gonna be your favorite teams, but you cheaters. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm playing. You can like, like this, like they're my favorite to kind of come out. Fair enough. And so, you, so you, I so don't you like the Astros. So they're not your favorite team. They're just no. You think that the, you're they're just, just lost the series to my Padres, bro. Technically, they are they are your favorite because you think that they're gonna win their division. Whatever. Okay, yeah, they're gonna win the yeah. American League. Okay, they're fair enough. Win, yeah. That's what I meant, bro. I can't stand <laughs> yeah. the Astros. You not know how happy. I mean, obviously, I'm a Padres fan, but when Jake Cronenworth hit a walk off home run to the Crone Zone, man, like that that got me hype, <laughs> no doubt. Oh man! All right, bro. Next topic is going to be. Uh, do you want to touch on anything else about the MLB or no? Nah, I think we're good. I think it's time to get into some really stuff that's kind of you know i guess close to the heart a little bit uh all right all right go ahead nebraska all right i'm not a nebraska fan i'm a duck fan scott frost is a former oregon coach um i've never really liked him and here's why he can't recruit um and he blamed that on you can't recruit the oregon which is just clearly not true he just didn't try hard enough. Um, and as a Duck fan, obviously it was fun when we had Chip Kelly. But if you look back at the games, like the play calling was very vanilla. And the whole thing was a gimmick, kind of. And that's why they were successful. It wouldn't have lasted. I don't care who they hired as coach. It was just not going to last. Um, that um, it wasn't. It's not sustainable. Obviously, Chip Kelly, so far this year, we'll touch on this later, the team, his team looks decent, but at the same time, it's not because he's not even running close to the same stuff that he was at Oregon. He's completely changed his offensive game plan. Um, and in college, in the NFL, not quite as much, but in college especially, you've got to adapt quickly. Um, it's why coaches like Nick Saban have stayed at the top. Remember, he was pushing back against the spread. Uh, right. offense and then i think he kind of realized because he's a smart football mind that you kind of have to you have to go with the flow to stay afloat and so he switched to a spread offense and look at what alabama is doing now but to bring it back to scott frost he's cr basically created a super mediocre program at nebraska um obviously say what you will about adrian martinez their starting quarterback um he did not look that impressive. Um, I think he has some talent. I just don't think he was developed correctly. Um, I was not a big fan of the play calling. Um, this I'm talking about their week zero game when they played Illinois. Um, and they just they just didn't have any juice. I mean, their defense kind of had some juice, but their offense just did not play up to what they could. You know, this is supposed to be kind of their breakout year because they have the most talent that they've had. They have a bunch of cont uh, continuity inside of the program. Um, and the worst part about it was, is what he said post-game, um, he wasn't prepared for Illinois to run a man defense um, because they've been a zone team for a while because they had, uh, but they got a new coach in Brett Bielema. And so he basically kind of said they had to throw out most of their game plan because they were prepared for his zone. But yeah, man. They, yeah. Illinois ran a man defense. And so what the hell? That's not a good excuse. That's a horrid yeah. excuse. I mean, as a coach, you have, to you have to be prepared for anything. And, you know, obviously he wasn't uh well prepared enough at all and he was just like trying to come up with an excuse at the time but that, that's pretty it's actually pretty funny yeah here's the thing brett billama is not like he's not like a new coach or anything it's not like he hasn't ever he coached at wisconsin he coached them to a rose bowl he coached at arkansas you know he coached a little bit in the nfl um he's not like obviously 
you can kind of look at where he's what who he hired that whole thing but you can't just expect uh the same Illinois team to come out when they've got a brand new coach and so that that as a Nebraska fan if I was a Nebraska fan that that would absolutely boil like make me so angry yeah to hear I mean, that's that. pretty, yeah that's, that's pretty worrisome if you're a Nebraska fan listening to your coach just make up excuses about their defense like it's not hard to make in-game adjustments but I guess he just is a yeah. terrible coach he just wasn't ready for for what was thrown at him. That that really stinks of incompetence. That yeah. stinks of incompetence. Um, I've just I never really felt like he was that good of a coach. I feel like at UCF he kind of had the ability of having a lot of talent in his own backyard, um, and the kind of thing that you know what they're UCF they can kind of sneak up on teams because they're not uh, they're not a power five team by any means. So when you have a decent talent for a group of five team. And then you have kind of just this kind of chip on your shoulder, this kind of, you can kind of go into games against heart, uh, bigger programs and kind of be a little bit underlooked. I think that's a lot easier to win than it is at a big time program like Nebraska. Um, but I don't want to take, say that Nebraska lost. Uh, it was more that Illinois won. Illinois, their online struggled a bit. Um, but I kind of liked what they showed on offense. They had some decent weapons on the outside. Um, they just kind of looked like a good team. Um, I'm not, I don't think they're going to win a lot, um, this upcoming season, but I think they, I think they have the right coach for the job. Um, I don't think they're ever going to win anything of like crazy importance, but I think they now have they're going to have a program that is like every year you kind of look at it. It's like, that's a game. That's a game that, you know, you can't sleep on, you know? So that was kind of what I took from it. And uh, the player that most impressed me was uh, NC state transfer, Calvin Hart jr. He, he was just all over the field, the entire game, uh, super disruptive. Um, and I'm curious to see if he can keep that up throughout the season. And if he can, if that's going to give him some NFL looks, because he's obviously a guy I haven't really heard of, um, talked about in that kind of sense. Um, and so I'm, I'm really curious to see how he does because he was all over the field. Like it was like basically every single Nebraska offensive drive, you know, you'd hear his name called four or five times. Um, and he was a big part of the game um, just because of the disruption, you know, like right. one thing I think that a lot of football fans don't realize is that like defensive players like that, that can disrupt a lot. They, they have a much bigger impact on a game than let's say a wide receiver. Um, if a wide receiver is like getting open um, part of that can be scheme, part of that can be whatever, but a defense player disrupting uh, an offense, the one way to kind of get them to stop doing that is to completely change your game plan. Um, and so a top wide receiver might make you change your game plan a little bit, but it's not to the extent of a dominant defensive player. Because when you're dominating on defense, that means you're dominating against especially when it's talking about a front seven player, you're talking about a guy being dominant against a whole group. Um, whereas a receiver, a lot of teams tend to kind of take their best corner and move them around. And so he's most likely kind of disrupting one guy on the team. And so you can kind of focus on them without completely compromising the rest of uh, your game plan. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's kind of how it, how I see it. Yeah, fair enough. Um, that's about all I'm going to say about Week Zero. Um, teams won that should have won. Um, but Week One was that was the it it didn't really disappoint. It did a to an extent, and I'll get into that later. But do you have any thoughts about uh, Week One? I mean, Week One. I don't know. I mean, we can touch on it more later, but. Obviously, Ducks didn't look super good. Washington 
paid Montana and they ended up uh, losing to them. That was kind of funny. But I don't know. I think that I, UCLA really surprised me by beating LSU. Uh, and, you know, I'm excited for these, this, these uh, you know, next week's up-and-coming up games. But what, what were your thoughts on the, uh, the UCLA-LSU game? Um, I'm not – I'm a little bit skeptical on UCLA for now. And it's not because I don't think they have talent or that they're a good team. It's just that I feel like DTR – is might not be the best quarterback on the planet. And what holds teams back is quarterback play. Um, and obviously against LSU, they didn't really need to throw. And you don't really want to throw on LSU. Um, they have Derek Stingley Jr. out there at corner, who is, he's, He's going to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. There's no doubt in my mind on that. He's easily the best DB uh, in college football. Um, but LSU in 2020, their their run defense was really bad, and it was pretty porous. Like, you kind of just run right through them. It doesn't seem like that's improved much. Um, their offense after the offense coordinator left, and they lost a lot of weapons, you know, like Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase etc etc they look they don't look horrible but they don't look that good um and like as a team i think they're still in a rebuilding phase um because the thing is even though lsu kind of recruits at a top level talent i still think they're not to that alabama or that clemson level where they can just kind of reload yeah reload immediately and they're probably a team that's going to take, you know, maybe maybe this year, you know, they'll figure it out later on in the year. But as of right now, they just don't look like uh, really a contender in the SEC. Because I just yeah. feel like they have a little bit too many holes as of right now. Obviously, holes can be filled um, because players can develop. But as of right now, it doesn't look like they're much of a factor. Yeah, I agree. I mean, LSU's quarterback doesn't look too promising right now, and they still need a maybe a, a year or two to reload. I mean, after losing Burrow and uh, Jamar Chase, it's just they have they haven't been the same. Yeah, no doubt. Um, North Carolina got upset by Virginia Tech. Um, Virginia Tech is a tough place to play, um, and North Carolina did not look up to the challenge. Um, I felt like at the start of the year i i was kind of surprised how high they were ranked not because they don't have a talent i just feel like they're a bit young um so i feel like they got humbled a bit um by that i think they're still a good football team and i think by the end of the year they're gonna probably be ranked um and have had a good season but like they're not a team that's going to just come out and just absolutely run through everybody at the start of the year because they're obviously not a veteran-led group, that whole kind of thing. Um, so that wasn't necessarily surprising. But another non-surprising thing is that Penn State won. Um, I'm not really sure why they were ranked 19th in the country. I think people kind of took a little bit too much from their 2020 season, as you can see by where Indiana was ranked. But Penn State still has the talent and they're still good. And they got a full offseason and spring and everything to kind of figure out what they needed to figure out from last year. Um, And we have that kind of talent and uh, you have the time to actually put in the work and kind of get everything, all the gears turning. Um, it's hard to keep that team down. Um, so I think 2020 was kind of a fluky season for a lot of teams. And I think the polls kind of reflect that just based on how, where people were ranking these teams. Um, do you have any thoughts on, you know, that? Yeah, I agree. I think that 2020 was a very interesting year and, uh, obviously there's a lot of fluke seasons because, you know, teams had COVID issues. There was injuries, you know, a shortened season, you know, 
players not, you know, teams not having some of their star players, like the Ducks not having Penny Asua or Javon Holland since they both opted out. I mean, it was just a very, very weird year. So I think teams are readjusting right now. And obviously there are still some COVID issues, but things have gotten somewhat better. It's just, it's just a lot normal now, but some teams are just, you know, readjusting and some teams like, I don't know, they're just not as good because a lot of their, uh, you know, seniors or talented players left or transferred and a lot of things changed. Yep, exactly. And I think we saw that with Indiana. Indiana had a pretty good 2020. Um, so people were very quick to rank them and they played Iowa and did not look good at all. They pretty bad, honestly, got blown out by Iowa. And so... Is that a case of 2020 was just weird? Is that a case of they just didn't come out to play like they could? Um, I'm not really sure. I was never super high on Indiana. I just feel like they didn't really necessarily have the weapons or the just talent to really be an elite team. Um, but we'll we'll see what the rest of the season holds for them. Um, the big game, though, the game that everybody was waiting to see, Clemson, Georgia slightly disappointing um i was hoping that the offenses would be better both the offenses kind of struggle obviously i know clemson has a really good defense georgia has a really good defense but you know i was expecting a playoff level game and it just kind of wasn't to that i mean obviously it's early in the season so teams are still going to figure stuff out um but to have clemson clemson's o-line looked horrid they just couldn't block it seemed like and i saw a lot of people kind of blaming uh uh dj for whatever reason even though here's the thing a quarterback might not look that impressive but you gotta watch kind of the situations he's put into um this is kind of what happened with oregon is people were like anthony brown is not that good of quarterback um which Say what you will, he might not be the best quarterback, but he was not given a lot of time from his offensive line. He had to kind of maneuver the pocket pretty much every single play um, to try to complete passes. And so he had to scramble a lot. You know, he had very good pocket movement. Um, And so if your offensive line doesn't give you time to set your feet and throw or really make any reads, you know, you're just not going to look like that good of a player because you're, you're, you're more worried about try not to get sacked than you are about making good reads and uh, everything else. Um, yeah. And, yeah. I was just going to say, yeah, you go ahead. Oh, well, we knew Georgia was going to have a really good defense. I think they kind of just outperformed what I thought because I think I had a little bit more confidence in Clemson's offense because obviously their offense is really talented. I mean, obviously I know they lost some pieces, but at the same time, they they're still good. Um, Clemson's defense looked really good. I know Georgia was missing a couple of key players on offense, but at the same time, the fact that they held uh, Georgia with all that talent to uh, what they did is pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, obviously Clemson is not the same after the loss of Trevor Lawrence, but it's you know their first game of the season. They're still feeling things out, and I think that Clemson could. Uh, you know, figure things out and get all the pieces of the puzzle together. Uh, you just have to give them some time because their defense is definitely really good. Even though they lost, even though they lost to Georgia, they could still bounce back for sure. And yeah, and about Oregon, I just feel like people are too. Uh, how do I phrase this? They're too. They judge too soon. They're too soon to judge when it comes to quarterbacks and how how players look because Anthony Brown is a very talented quarterback. I saw him, you know, make that long touchdown pass to Johnny Johnson. That completion against Fresno State. I mean, sure, the Ducks only won by seven. But at the end of the day, I mean, the Ducks are still trying to get a feel for the offense and the defense, and they're trying to figure things out still. So, you know, I'm not even too, uh, you know, happy or, or too high on the way that uh, Ohio State's defense looked. It was not even that good. I mean, so I think that the Ducks could have a legitimate shot against Ohio State with Kayvon Thibodeau healthy. Yeah, like you said, uh you said they're too quick to judge. I think they're just too dumb 
to judge. And I think you can see this across college football is that you have people that don't really understand the sport of football. They don't understand a lot of things. Um, and also when you're watching on a TV screen, you can't really see the whole action of the play. Um, and you don't really know what you're looking for a lot of the times. Um, and a lot, it, it's really easy to blame a quarterback for certain, for the offense being bad when the whole thing about football is a team sport. All the cogs have to be moving the same way at the same time for the system to go. So that means the offensive line has to do their job. The receivers have to do their job. The quarterback has to do their job. The running back has to do their job. And if everybody does their job and does it well, the team's going to be amazing. And if there's one weak link, the chain is going to break. And I think that that's what we saw with Clemson. That's what we saw with Oregon. That's kind of what we saw with uh, Ohio State at times in their first game. It's what we completely saw with Washington. We know what their weak link is. Um, I was never really high on Washington because I could just see this coming from a mile away. They made a horrible head coach hire. They made horrible assistant hires, especially John Donovan. He's running a prehistoric offense. That's why they lost to... uh, they lost Montana. to Montana, yeah. I was hmm. trying to think of the name. Almost said Missouri. I know it's not Missouri, but they lost to Montana. That's embarrassing. They scored seven points against Montana. It was their first drive. You want to know what the first drive is? And in, in all of, in all football, it's a scripted drive. It's where they pick out the first set of plays that they're going to run, and after that, they they couldn't score. Um, they don't have. They run prehistoric offense. Like they, they don't. There's a reason why a lot of receivers transferred out. It's because they don't play a lot of receivers because they have very old school sets. You know, they don't. You know, spread the field. It's not a spread system. It's prehistoric, like I was saying. Um, and then you just like they, they just they have talent, but they just don't show it because, you know, bad play calls. Yeah, you know. It's like, I like to think of it as cars, you know, like they're, they've got talent, you know, talent is a good engine, you know, but the body isn't pretty on it. And even though they got a good engine, they don't open it up. They're not going fast. You know, they're being conservative with the speed on their engine, even though their engine's powerful. So... When you have a lot of talent, what's going to kind of stop you from performing is if they don't, you know, open it up. You know, they don't try to kind of make it easy. You know, it's kind of hard to just out-talent people. Um, You kind of need to scheme up stuff that's going to make them work, you know, by having motion that makes the defense a little bit confused pre-play, you know, by running certain plays that are going to uh, open up the field, um, kind of like making chess moves. Football is kind of like chess in the sense that you do stuff early in the game that can kind of, you know, make it easier to do other stuff later in the game, you know? Like the right. most simple way is, you know, you run the ball in a certain formation quite a bit, and then, boom, you run a play action. You know, like if a run play has been, if you've been successful running the ball, play action kind of gets opened up because the defense has to respect the run game. And so because they're respecting the run game with the play action, they're going to kind of play it more heavily towards the run, but in, it's actually a pass, which is going to open up the field. Um, and I think what we saw was that Oregon didn't open it up because I think we're going to talk about this. But I think they were holding it back just a little bit because of the game this week. And this is probably the biggest game this whole week. Um, It's not the best slate of college football this week. So that's probably going to be the only game we're going to touch on is the Ohio State-Oregon game. But what you see with Washington is it wasn't that they're conservative. Um, It's that they just don't use their talent to the best way possible. They don't utilize it well. Um, They're handcuffed. Yeah. In that sense. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I was not, gonna say, I mean, 
Yeah, I just think that, you know, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have good play calling or if you're not, you know, calling the right plays or doing the right things offensively, then nothing's going to work. And obviously Washington's in, in this position where they have a bunch of talent, but they're not utilizing it correctly because they're not, you know, doing enough passing plays. They're not doing play action and they don't have good coaching. So you don't have good coaching, you don't have a good team. And, you know, they're not, they're not, utilizing their players correctly at all yeah um i think washington just kind of needs to uh fire their entire coaching staff i think it's to that point um obviously you kind of want to have faith in your coach but there's signs you know that you can kind of tell you know because sometimes it's like the guy just doesn't have the talent quite yet but they have the talent and it's just not, he's just not a head coach. Jimmy Lake is not a head coach. Um, and I feel like it's better to just cut your losses now than wait. Um, it's always good to get ahead of that because you can kind of just see the program is, you've been able to see since he's been hired, the program's kind of gone in a downward spiral, but yet they just have not, you know, they're going to believe in the coach. But we saw it with Oregon kind of, you know, they, they kind of cut their losses like right after Helfrich kind of proved that, you know, he was not the right man for the job. Um, and then they, 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 that's why the rebuild was kind of more of a quick turnaround is because you got in a new coach who brought in a new culture who then he ended up leaving a year later, but he brought in a new culture. Yeah. He brought in some talent and the change in culture is huge. And that's why I think hiring from within sometimes backfires is because you try to keep the same culture. Um, and as a coach, if you don't set up your own culture, it's not necessarily as true to your heart in the sense, you know, you're not necessarily, it's not you because every individual is different, you know, and if you're a recruiter, a kid or a player, and you're going into this program, you want to feel like the coach is genuine when he's talking about his goals, his plans, kind of his, uh, I guess this is kind of a religious thing, but his Ten Commandments, right? You know, obviously, the Bible has the Ten Commandments, you know, you follow them, whatever, whatever, whatever. Like, if a coach is just taking over what was already given to him, like taking over the keys, you know, it's not going to be him. You know, if I had a Ferrari that was my dad's, right? it's not my Ferrari. You've got to make it yours, you know? And that's the thing I think that some coaches are able to do and some coaches aren't able to do. And I don't think Jimmy Lake was able to do that. I don't think he made the program his. I think he's still trying to live off of Peterson. And that's not how you do it. You have to make the program yours. Yeah, I mean, Willie Taggart didn't didn't even really make the Oregon program his. And he ended up leaving, but I think that Chris Paul has done a great job as a coach um, and a recruiter. But uh, you know what? Um, the Ducks, they're, they're, they're doing all right. They just have to, you know, change a few things before they play Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, before we get into that, there's one thing I need to touch on. Obviously, uh, Miami got steamrolled, which is not necessarily unsurprising. They were playing Alabama, um, but Bryce Young. Bryce Young... Some people were, I guess, a little bit questioning of if he could kind of come out and uh, be that guy. And he was that guy. You're not that guy, pal. <laughs> oh, my. But <laughs> he, he came out, just looked unbelievable. And, you know, he's that's what he was ranked super highly in high school. You know, I I knew it was going to be good. But, you know, he came out kind of his first game starting you know, against Miami. Miami is not necessarily the best team, but they're not a slouch. There's a reason why they were ranked. Um, And he just came out and torched them. Um, And when you see that, that was kind of one of their bigger question marks was their offense. And their offense put up 41 points, if I remember correctly. Um, So Alabama, as of right now, looks kind of like the favorite in all of college football, which is not necessarily a surprise, but 
they've kind of certified themselves as the top team, you know, and there were some slight question marks when it came to that because uh, they were replacing people. But again, Alabama reloads and they stay at the top. Yeah, I mean, Alabama's always a top three team regardless of the year. And um, they showed that when they when they beat Miami. And Bryce Young, very promising young talent. And Alabama is very stacked. I mean, they're just too good, man. Oh, yep. And hopefully it can change. Um, I feel like college football is better when, you know, it's not the same team winning every year. But it's hard yeah. when Alabama's recruiting – probably the best in the country and they're reloading every year and they have a really good coach and scheme. Yeah, definitely. All right. So you want to also touch on Ohio state? I mean, we could talk about Ohio state. Well, yeah, we're going to talk about the duck Ohio state game. So we'll talk about first what Ohio state kind of showed. Um, CJ Stroud struggled a bit in the first half. Um, In the second half, he kind of shook back. But a lot of it, I felt like, was just he had wide open wide receivers. Just they were just open. Um, and I'm not taking anything away from CJ, but if you have a bunch of receivers who are just absolutely wide open, it's not that hard to just get it to them. Um, and obviously, Ohio State has that luxury of they have super good wide receivers. Um, but. They did kind of struggle in the first half when it came to the quarterback play, and that's why, you know, they were trailing at parts of the game. Um, The defense, as you said, looked a bit... uh, I don't... They didn't look porous, per se. They didn't look amazing. Um, Their defense wasn't too promising, and, you know, they still won the game by 14, but... Ohio State trailed at the half, and they just gave up way too many yards from the run game from Minnesota. Yeah, it was it was a close fourteen. Um, it wasn't a yeah. it wasn't a blowout fourteen. There's blowout fourteens and there's close fourteens. That was a close fourteen. Um, Minnesota kind of stayed in it because they controlled the clock quite a bit. Obviously, because they were running the ball. Because obviously, Tanner Morgan is just not that great of a quarterback. Um. And like I said, to be a top team, you need a good quarterback. And Tanner Morgan is just not that. So the 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 expectation was that Minnesota was not gonna win. Um, I don't think anybody was there saying that you know Minnesota's not a good team. Um, they're not good. They're 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 solid. You know, I don't think Minnesota's gonna win a lot of big games. I don't think they're going to be like a top 25 team necessarily. I also don't think they're not going to be a bowl team. I think they're kind of just like, they're, they're a good week one opponent for Ohio state to try to get ready um, for yeah. Oregon um, because they, they have enough talent and they were at home, you know, they kind of had some juice. Um, and I think by the way that they came out and kind of, they punched Ohio State in the mouth just a little bit in the second quarter. Obviously, Ohio State came and punched them in the mouth, but they shook back. I think that's a good early season test of adversity for them, especially going into probably probably their biggest game of the season um, for just overall playoff potential. Because if you lose Oregon now, obviously Oregon's ranked. It's not it's not a bad loss for the playoff, but it basically means that you have to be perfect the rest of the season. You'd rather yeah. have that game that you lose come later in the season, you know, to maybe a team like Penn State. Um and so this is it's not necessarily a must win game, but it's a game where they kind of need a little bit they need to show a lot more than they showed on Thursday. Yeah. They need to prove themselves because the Ducks are a pretty good team, but Ohio State is like top five. So, I mean. Yeah. And I think, speaking more on Oregon's side, I think we saw a lack of, you know, what they actually are going to show this season. 
Um, it just felt like they weren't. It felt like they were holding back. They were running it up the middle a lot, which didn't necessarily work a lot of the times. Um, they didn't really throw it downfield, although they didn't really have time to. But they felt like they only had like in the entire game they had like three three or four or maybe five plays where they actually had somebody going deep, you know, whether it was on the outside or seam route in the middle of the field, you know, or post. Um, I did, They did not really attack vertically, which when you don't attack a team vertically, it really hampers uh, your offense because you're not spreading out the field. And they're not going to necessarily respect the deep ball if you're not actually running routes to do it and when they did run the deep ball obviously scored a touchdown on it um fresno state made a really good play on a ball on one of them um and then there was a missed throw because uh, of some pass rush but like you've got to make a team respect parts of your game um and i've it just really felt like oregon was holding back a lot and if they weren't, they're in big trouble because that play calling is not, it's not going to do much. You know, they're throwing it maybe a couple yards downfield um, on most plays. They also dropped a lot of balls. They just did not, they look sloppy on offense. Defensively, they they forced some turnovers. I'll say forced some turnovers and had some penalties as well for with their defense. But turnovers are probably one of the biggest parts of football. Because if you can force a lot of turnovers, that's going to give you an advantage because you're getting more possessions. Um, and, and a lot of times it's in good field position, which is going to lead to points. So, yeah, I mean, the Ducks defense looks pretty good, but they need to step it up offensively against Ohio State. Yeah. They also need to step it up defensively. I felt like the defensive play column was just pretty vanilla and basic. Um, I felt like they dropped into zone way too much and just kind of didn't... They weren't aggressive. Um, and obviously, they're going up against Fresno State, an inferior team. Fresno State's not a slouch team. Um, they have a lot of talent for a group of five team. So, like, obviously, f- from a perspective of kind of looking at it you're like oh they they struggled against the mountain west team they come back at the end and win um fresno state has jake hayner who was a washington transfer they have ty jones a washington transfer they had jalen cropper who was a top 500 guy out of high school um so it's not like what fresno state lacked talent and they they had a good scheme and obviously fresno this is a huge game for fresno state it's not that big of a game for oregon um so there's obviously that kind of discrepancy. Obviously, you would have liked Oregon to have shown a lot more because they they did look kind of like they had a big Achilles heel as a team. Just really a bunch of issues that they need to work through. Um, so we'll see if that game was kind of just like bare bones or if that's the full body of their team and if it's the full body of their team they're not going to be a very good team yeah i mean because they were supposed to um the ducks were supposed to blow fresno state out of the water and they were supposed to win that game by at least 21 points so they only won by a touchdown so that was really a wake-up game for oregon and they need to bounce back and even though they even though they beat fresno state what i mean is they need to like show more energy and more uh, motivation in in this next game against uh, Ohio State for sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so that's going to end our college football uh, part of the podcast. Um, I would love to talk about more college football because it's my favorite sport, but teams aren't playing the best teams this week. Um, yeah. We probably would have touched on Washington, Michigan, if Washington wasn't didn't lose to Montana. <laughs> but they suck, and they lost to Montana, and they literally paid them to play them, and ended up losing. Yeah, so that's just gonna have to conclude college football. 
Um, last week's games were a lot better, but Jack missed the podcast day. Uh, I had a busy schedule. He had a busy schedule. It's nobody's fault. Um, but there's some. There's going to be some pretty good games coming up later, which I'm excited to talk about. Um, this week just was not the best for the college football slate. So it's time to get in some more football, but different football. And that's the NFL. So, Jack, yes, talk to me. What, what? Well, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, what you thinking? Well, I'm thinking that, you know, the NFL season kicks off this Thursday, Jeremy. And, you know, obviously the, the reigning champs, the, the Buccaneers are playing the, the Cowboys. And obviously the Buccaneers should blow them, out of the, blow them out of the water and easily win that game. But you know what? We're both not too kind of, you know, ex- high on these, these first week games. I mean, there's nothing insane. Obviously the Panthers, my Panthers playing the Jets. I mean, oh. I know you don't like that game. I mean, we got we got Sam Darnold at QB. I can't really be too happy as a Panthers fan. But, um, anyways, I just think that you know we were gonna, we're going to talk about some dark horse teams. But the Chiefs and the Browns play this week. It was definitely a great playoff game last year. The Browns, they're a decent team. Obviously, they still have Mayfield, who Baker Mayfield, who has proved himself. And the Chiefs are just reloading. I mean, they have their core back with Travis Kelsey and Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. But they have a new left tackle. They have a new offensive line, and they they came they came to play this season. Well, so I yeah. think that so I think that it's going to be a really good game, and the Chiefs should win that. But uh, what do you think? Well, as you said, the Chiefs reloaded, and they did. But they didn't just reload; they reloaded with an extended clip. Okay, they came with a modified gun with their reload. Um, so obviously. They were the best team in the AFC last year, the year before, but they're better than those two teams. I mean, I'm talking about their past teams. I think right now they're better than they were. And so the fact that they won the AFC and that they're better, they're obviously going to, they're the favorite in the AFC. There's no doubt. And they're probably the favorite to win the Super Bowl. Um, at least in my opinion. Uh, I don't know what the betting odds are. And, you know, I honestly don't care because, you know, betting odds are made to make people bet on certain teams who have less odds, kind of. Betting's a weird thing in that sense that it's like you'll see a team as like, oh, that's a good bet. You know, like if you saw, oh, the Bills to win the Super Bowl, you know, they have kind of, you know, Decent odds, but not so amazing that you're not going to have a payout if they end up doing that. But at the same time, if you look at it from a football perspective, the Bills probably will not win. That That's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah, but, I mean, the Bills are a really good team, but I don't think that they're getting past the Chiefs in the I, playoffs. I don't even know if they could get past the Browns. Like, I'm not – I don't hate the Bills, you know, but they – I just feel like – The AFC, I feel like it's the Chiefs and then, you know, the rest of the playoff teams are kind of at a similar level when it comes to a talent and kind of just like team, uh, like ability perspective. So I feel like you, we don't really know who's going to come out of the AFC. You know, the Titans are there, the Ravens, Browns, Bills, obviously, you know, you kind of, I feel like all those teams, I'm, I think the Bills are the best of those teams, but I don't think it's like that huge of a gap that it's not like they could get caught off guard in a playoff game, you know? Obviously, yeah. that happens with like, that can happen all the time. I just feel like the Chiefs just have way too much talent that they're just, it's just not going to happen. Like we saw the year they won the Super Bowl, they kept on getting, uh, falling behind and yet they came back because they... They're, they're just that good. I mean, coming from a Chiefs fan, obviously, you're going to say they're that good. No, I'm kidding. The Chiefs are a good team. I mean, the Chiefs are, are unreal. Uh, but, you know, I do think that the Ravens losing J.K. Dobbins, that's a big one for them. He's going to be out with a torn ACL. And Lamar Jackson is a, be- is a beast. Uh, he's really good. But overall, I do think that the Chiefs will win um, the AFC. Yeah, obviously J.K. Dobbins is kind of a big loss, but I feel like running back is one of those positions in the NFL that's pretty replaceable. 
in the sense that kind of the NFL has gone away from like the power run game, you know, they're more of like running backs are more of utility players. And I feel like that's a lot easier to find. You know, you need to find a guy who's got some shiftiness, some speed, maybe a little bit of power, but he can catch the ball at the backfield. You know, he can run, obviously, you know, I feel like that, that, that's not necessarily an ability that isn't, uh, that doesn't exist. It's just like finding a guy at an elite level um, is like better. But it, you see a lot of these teams, like the Chiefs don't have a good running back, and yet we're really Why good. Yeah, like a lot of these top teams, they don't necessarily have like a difference maker at running back because uh, in this day and age, you don't necessarily need one. Yeah, I mean, Clyde Edwards-Lair is pretty good, but he's definitely uh, very young and has a lot to learn. Yeah, and he's he's um, he's he's replaceable. He's not he's not like a key cog. It's not like he's the best. It's not like he's irreplaceable. It's not like, he, it's not like he's Derrick Henry or Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, and but, even uh, Christian McCaffrey is a little bit more replaceable than Derrick Henry. I'm not saying he's replaceable, but he. Derrick Henry is just a whole different animal because he's he's he is kind of the old school back in the sense that you give him the ball as much as possible in the because run game. Because he's just like super powerful and fast. Yeah, because he is a freak of nature. Yeah, he's a beast. All right. So the Saints are playing the Packers. What are they gonna look like without Drew Brees? Um Drew Brees, obviously, last year, I don't think he was super impressive. Um, I just think age kind of caught up to him. But I'm curious to see what they look like without him. Um, because, obviously, Sean, Sean Payne's a good coach. Um, and I think with Drew Brees being gone, you know, Drew Brees isn't the best athlete. Neither is Jameis Winston. Um, but Taysom Hill is. So, obviously... I'm, I'm not a thousand percent sure who they're going to start. I just feel like Sean Payton is probably going to start Taysom Hill. Um, I feel like he's kind of his guy. Um, and so I feel like Taysom Hill being the starter might just add a little bit more, like a whole different like layer to their offense that they didn't previously have. I think the Saints, the Saints are going to be good. Um, I don't think, I think they're, lot more than they were they're a lot more than just Drew Brees they they have talent um another thing that's going to be interesting about the game is the Packers right like obviously there was all that Aaron Rodgers drama um that came about so I'm curious to see if Aaron Rodgers is kind of kind of sell it in because he might not necessarily want to be there as much or if he's going to kind of come out like this is last you know his last dance you know, this is the last show, and he's going to come out with his hair on fire and just absolutely light up the league like he did last year. I don't know. I mean, uh, I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to light up the league, but it's going to be interesting to see uh, who wins the NFC. I mean, obviously, you still have the 49ers, the Rams, the Buccaneers. Uh, the Buccaneers, Saints, all those teams. But I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to do really good this year. Uh, obviously, he was MVP last season. He's going to have another great year. But I'm interested to see who wins the NFC. I mean, we'll see. But, you know, it's going to be an interesting decision that the, you know, Saints are going to have to make because it's either going to be Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill. And, and we talked about this previously, but Taysom Hill is more of a utility guy that can, you know, play running back, receiver, and quarterback, whereas Winston's more of just like a QB. So, yeah. you know, they could go with, uh, Taysom Hill, but I'm surprised, or I'm, I'm interested to see what uh, the Saints are going to do. Yeah. Um, I feel like we obviously talked about some top contenders, and then we talked about some interesting games this season. I'm curious to see maybe a couple of Dark Horse teams, or maybe just one, um, because I feel like this year it's a little bit harder to pick multiple. But do you have any teams that you're kind of looking for that, you know, maybe aren't being talked about quite as much that should be? Yeah, I mean, obviously the Rams made the Super Bowl three years ago, but recently they haven't been insanely good with Jared Goff and they traded him for Stafford. But, you know what, I think that the 
you know, Rams could be a dark horse team because not a lot of people pick them to go to the Super Bowl, but I think that they could very well go to the Super Bowl because, you know, Stafford, this is, this is the first time Stafford's really had a really good O-line. And, you know, I think he's going to be a legit MVP candidate with a good defense and O-line and, you know, some weapons around him. And I think Stafford's going to have a breakout season. And, you know, the Rams have a lot of potential this season. Yeah. Uh, Rams are one of the teams I'm looking at as well. Um, Goff was just not. He was just... Not it. He's yeah. He's just not. He's just not up to the level that Stafford is. I think Stafford has always been kind of an underrated guy because he's played in Detroit. Um, I look at them. Obviously, I agree with everything you said, so I'm not going to necessarily add anything uh, because there's not much to add. Um, I I look at the Chargers because I feel like the Chargers improved and they're going to get some players back that were hurt on their defense. Um, well. I'm curious to see how Justin Herbert comes out. You know, some players have kind of a slump in their sophomore season. You know, they come out, they look really good in the rookie season, and then they kind of slump a little bit in their sophomore season. So maybe he has that. Maybe he doesn't. Um, the issue is they're in the same division as the Chiefs. But at the same time, the other teams in the division are the Broncos and the Raiders, who not necessarily the cream of the crop when it comes to talent. Um, I think the Raiders could be pretty decent. I, I've always been a fan of Derek Carr as a quarterback. I feel like a lot of people kind of don't necessarily feel like he's that good of a quarterback, whereas in reality he is. You know, if he has a deep threat um, as a receiver and if he has, you know, protection, he's he's a good quarterback. Um, and I think he kind of has that now. Um so they could be an interesting team when it comes to AFC. The only issue is I feel like the AFC kind of has a lot of good teams. Um, and obviously, I don't necessarily know if they have a chance to win their division. So they got to hope that they can get one of the wild card spots. Um, same with the Chargers, obviously. Uh, I also kind of think about the Vikings. You know, obviously, the Vikings are in the same division as the Packers. Um, but a lot of people kind of Kirk Cousins is like a pretty good quarterback. I think a lot of people they just kind of sleep on him as just a player. Um obviously he's not like a difference maker at quarterback. You know, he's but you know, he's a lot better than Jimmy Garoppolo. He's he's one of the better quarterbacks in the NFC. You know, he's not going to you know jump off the page as like that guy. But I think Minnesota kind of has decent enough talent that they could potentially sneak into the playoffs will they i'm not sure but they're not a team that you can necessarily just write off at all yeah i mean the vikings are all right i don't know if i 100 percent agree with you about that grapple take i mean grapple i think he's better than cousins but at the end of the day he you know has been struggling recently and he's probably going to get outplayed by trey lance i mean he might start week one but Trey Lance is the future of the 49ers. Um, so, I mean, unless Grappolo just does really good. Um, but you know what? I think that the Vikings could do it. Kirk Cousins is a vet. He had, has a lot of experience and talent, but he doesn't have a ton of weapons around him, but we'll see how he does. Yeah. Um, I think that's about it when it comes to the NFL. Yeah, we could do one last thing. One last thing I want to talk about is just uh, last but not least, our early Super Super Bowl prediction. I have the Chiefs winning the AFC easily. I mean, obviously, they're super stacked. Uh, they could get past anybody, really. And they've been in the Super Bowl multiple times, but and they've won it before. But uh, I think it's going to be the Chiefs and the uh, Rams. Because the Rams, I think they're going to shock a lot of people. In the, and and, and uh, I think they could win the NFC. So they're going to be the Rams or the Packers winning the NFC, but it could very well be the Rams. Uh, who, what, you know, I think the Chiefs are probably going to win it all. This season, but you know, what do you think, or what's your Super Bowl prediction? I have the Chiefs obviously winning the AFC. I'm maybe a bit biased, but they're also the best team in the NFL. Um, coming out of the NFC, I have the Packers. Um, I personally think Aaron Rodgers is going to come out with his hair on fire, sort of thing, and just come out guns a blazing. They're going to be really good. Um, and I kind of hope that he kind of just takes over as you know the quarterback you know obviously i felt like there was a bit of tension between him and the coach 
um, when it came to play calling, and I kind of hope he just like completely just decides, you know what, this is on my team. I'm gonna take them to the promised land. I think he can. You know, he's he's probably the second most talented quarterback in the entire league behind Patrick Mahomes. Um, I feel like that'd be probably one of the most anticipated uh Super Bowls Mat- ever. Yeah, matchups. Yeah. Um, I think he's gonna be able to do it. Um, but when he gets to the Super Bowl, I just don't know if the Packers can beat the Chiefs. But I feel like it might be a shootout, um, kind of similar to the Eagles Patriots Super Bowl, um, from a couple years ago. Um, just really high scoring, really fun. Um, but I think the Chiefs just have the slightly better offense and would take it. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, don't sleep on the Packers, but it's either going to be the Rams or the Packers winning the NFC, most likely. I just think the Rams are going to make it to the Super Bowl and surprise a lot of people, but we'll see how they do. Yeah, I'm high on the Rams, too. I just feel like if Aaron Rodgers is determined and he kind of just does his own thing, I think it's it's going to be – it's hard not to pick pick Aaron Rodgers. It's hard to go against him. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is, you know, he won MVP last year, and he's and he's won a Super Bowl before, so don't cut him out. Yep. All right, that's going to do it for today's podcast, a bit longer than we initially anticipated because we didn't talk about a whole lot. But I think we got went pretty in-depth today. Um, obviously, college football is happening this week nfl is happening this week so we're probably going to cover that obviously we like to talk about the mlb just a little bit you know playoffs are getting closer and closer each day that goes by obviously but that's probably going to be the main focus of next week's podcast um is that sort of stuff um jack do you have any last words to say uh not really thank you guys for tuning in and we'll catch you guys later all right everybody peace out I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please leave ratings. uh, Do whatever you can. Anything helps. Um, Yeah, hope to catch y'all back next week listening to the podcast.